you to tell everybody how it feels. Are you not mesmerized? Do you not have chills going up your spine? This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Casual's Guide to MMA. I'm your host and your guide for all the events, all the fights, and all the news surrounding the exciting sport of MMA. And today we have a bit of a different one for you. I want to cover some of the big news that's been happening in the sport of MMA. It's still a developing story, but at this point, there's enough information out there that I felt like somebody should compile it all together into an easy to understand, easy to follow story. And so you've probably heard some of the developments regarding this story, and you're probably wondering what the hell is going on. But before we get into that, I just want to quickly remind you all to follow the podcast, rate the podcast, leave comments if you can, and follow us on Twitter at Casual MMA Guide. So now without further ado, what the heck is going on in MMA right now? Oh, he, oh, he hurt himself. That was bad. Oh. Heavy elbows. Stop, 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 stop. Smith steps in. Shyulen Jordan Becker gets the finish he was looking for. He does it in a minute and change. Let's take a look at what happened. Hate to see that for Derek Minner. You want an honest result out of it. Looks like it just blew his knee right there on that kick or something hurt something. We don't know what he did, but yeah, he's something. Yeah, he's rubbing his knee right now. So I think it's a knee issue, left leg for Derek Minner. Now these clips you just heard were from a fight that took place on November 5th, 2022. Rodriguez vs. Lemos. The fight was between Derek Minner and Shailin Nerdambeka. Now, very early on in this fight, Derek Minner throws a left kick to the body of Nurdenbeka and has an immediate negative reaction. He grimaces, he nearly falls over, he's clearly compromised. And it's important to note that he's compromised because of a kick that he threw. He didn't absorb a strike from his opponent. He throws a kick and then is immediately compromised because of it. And it only takes a few seconds after that for Nurdenbeka to finish him via ground strikes and the fight is called in just a minute and seven seconds. And then as Nurdenbeka is celebrating his victory over Derek Minner, Derek Minner sitting on the canvas rubbing his knee, the UFC doctors are tending to him. Clearly something's wrong with Derek Minner's knee and he lost the fight because of it. And this by itself isn't too strange. Things like this have happened plenty of times in the UFC. You hate to see it, but sometimes it's just a perfect storm. You're fine one second and then something important like a ligament in your knee gives out and you're just defenseless in there. So overall, nothing really crazy to see here. It's just an unfortunate freak injury. They happen all the time during fights. But the problem is what happened in the hours leading up to the fight. On November 6th, the day after, David Purdom of ESPN reported that the U.S. integrity was notified of unusual betting activity and in turn conducted a thorough analysis of the situation and alerted state gaming regulators and other sportsbook clients to the irregular betting roughly three hours before the fight began. And the fight in question? This fight. Derek Minner for Shailen Nurdenbeka. And the unusual betting activity was the fact that Nurdenbeka doubled from a minus 200 favorite to as high as a minus 410 favorite in just a few hours before the fight started. And it wasn't only the money line, huge action was coming in on the TKO KO prop, which dropped from plus 300 to only plus 155. And this is for a fighter who had zero finishes in the UFC prior to this fight. 
Now, for those of you who don't understand betting lines, it's really simple. It's all based on a $100 bet. So if you bet on an underdog, you're going to win some extra money because they're the underdog. And the underdog will have a line with a plus next to it. So if a fighter is a plus 150 underdog, for example, then a $100 bet would win you an additional 150. And the favorite is the opposite. They'll have a negative number. So if a fighter is a minus 200 favorite, then you would need to bet 200 to just win 100. So in Shailen Nurdumbeka's case, he went from a minus 200 favorite to a minus 410 favorite. At that point, you're risking $410 just to win 100. But people were still betting on him. So these people must have been very confident that he was gonna win, or maybe they were just really confident that Derek Minner was gonna lose. And as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't just bets on Nurdumbeka to win, they were betting on him to win by knockout. They were betting on him to win in the first round. They were betting on the fight to not go past the first round. Now on the same day, November 6th, after the report by David Purdom of ESPN, the UFC released their own statement, which said, like many professional sports organizations, UFC works with an independent betting integrity service to monitor wagering activity on our events. Our betting integrity partner, Don Best Sports, a leading global supplier of real-time betting data for North American sporting events, will conduct a thorough review of the facts and report its findings. At this time, we have no reason to believe either of the athletes involved in the bout or anyone associated with their teams behaved in an unethical or irresponsible manner. So now at this point, the UFC is being very dismissive really casual about the whole situation. And that's real clear when you listen to Dana White here, the president, the face of the UFC, answer a question about the situation. This is November 11th, and he was asked by Aaron Bronstetter. Yeah, I mean, th this is one of those things. There's absolutely zero proof that anybody that was involved bet on it. So it's just, th there was some, uh, there was some signs out there that, that something was going, but there's absolutely no proof that anybody did anything wrong. Um, and hopefully by seeing this again in this investigation, it, it deters people from, from doing it, from betting on it. First of all, nobody even took the action on the fights. You know, they just saw that that type of action was trying to come in and, 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 it, and it got shut down. But hopefully you see how easy that is to detect now and the risk is not worth the reward. What do you think happened? Like, why do you think that the line moves uh, so that crazy? That stuff happens all the time in sports. It happens. I don't think anything happened. I think it happens all the time. You know, um, I think it was being made a bigger deal than it actually was. That's a fight nobody, with two guys that not a lot of people know about. That's why it's kind of, I think, raised, you know what? It's two guys that not a lot of people know about. It's a mid-card fight, right? So yeah. that's why I think it raised some alarms. Yeah. But it, it, was, it wasn't a big a deal as people were making it out to be. It's not that big of a deal. It happens all the time in sports. There's absolutely no proof that anybody did anything wrong, but you can see now how easy it is to detect if you start doing that. It's not that big of a deal, says Dana White. And at this point, I mean, why not believe him? Maybe it wasn't a big deal. Well, in a couple of days, it would become a very big deal. <laughs> but to understand what happens from here, we got to go back to August 1st. A day when James Krause, a retired UFC fighter and now a coach to several UFC fighters, was on the MMA Hour. How often do you partake yeah. in this? Oh, I bet every single card, just about every fight. Really? Yeah, absolutely. We have a, I have a Discord, like 2,000 members in it. We crushed it. Last week, we destroyed it. 
I, I do pretty well. I make more money gambling on MMA than I do anything else. Come on. More than even coaching? Oh, God. That don't make shit on coaching. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. To answer your question, no. <laughs> it's not even close. It's not even close. And just curious, like the Moreno fight, like fights that you're involved in, will you bet on those two? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's Sometimes. A... <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you bet on Brandon? Of course. Overall, how'd you do Saturday? We crushed it, man. Crushed it. I think I went like 15 and 2. And the two losses, one was a plus 900 underdog, and the other one was a hedge on a on another play we won. Damn, look at you. And when you say we, what do you mean by we? The Discord? The Discord, the group, the, yep, the group we're in. I, just, I, I post the plays and, and people, you know. And do people pay it. you for this, for the picks? Yep. Wow, and that's yep. lucrative. Yep. Look that's at really you. Um, that, but, it does, but I mean, they make way more, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. Like we have a couple different, we have a couple different uh, entry-level positions. Like we have a $50 a month and I have a $2,000 a month. But they, I mean, they make way more than, you know, they make way more than they pay, that's for sure. Now, the group that James Krause, the we that he's referring to, is the 1% Club, which he started in April 2022, where he, like he said, people pay for his picks, for his for his breakdown of fights, for, for his betting knowledge. And James Krause isn't the only fighter out there who makes money off of his picks or who openly bets on UFC fights. He just had maybe the most polished system out there, you know, with a with a Discord and and like he mentioned thousands of paying members. And this wasn't weird. Lots of fighters were doing the same thing, even if not to the extent that James Krause was doing it. They were still betting on UFC fights. Plenty of fighters had sports books as advertising partners, as sponsorships. So so that's this definitely wasn't out of the norm but this interview did get a lot of attention because of the way James Krause talks about how much money he was making doing it how it didn't even come close to the amount of money he was making from coaching from cornering UFC fighters from even fighting and now at this point there was nothing wrong with any of this nothing illegal about anything that he said nothing illegal about anything that he was doing as long as he wasn't betting against himself or against his fighters there was absolutely nothing wrong with what he was doing. Well, that changed on October 17th. Just a month and a half after this interview, the UFC made a huge change to its athlete conduct policy. And this is what was sent out to fighters and managers. Athletes are prohibited from placing any wagers on any UFC match, including placing wagers on themselves. In most states with legalized sports betting, wagering by an athlete on any MMA match put on by a promoter with which they are affiliated is illegal and may result in criminal sanction. Athletes should also be aware that in most states, these same prohibitions apply to some or all relatives living in the same household as an athlete, an athlete's coaches, managers, handlers, athletic trainers, medical professionals, and staff, and any other person with access to non-public information regarding participants in any MMA match. An athlete that becomes aware or has knowledge of any wagering in violation of these restrictions must immediately notify UFC of such incident in accordance with its UFC athlete conduct policy. And when this came out, this was huge. Like I said, lots of fighters make plenty of money betting on fights. Lots of fighters have sponsorship deals with sports books. Lots of fighters do exactly what James Krause does and sell their picks, right? So this is a big deal. But it was also something that kind of caught everyone's attention. Like, why wasn't this in place to begin with? 
Why is this a brand new rule that's only being implemented now? So now after this change to the UFC athlete conduct policy, we fast forward again just a few more weeks to the day of the fight that we discussed earlier. November 5th, Derek Minner vs Shailen Nurdenbeka. Something's clearly wrong with Derek Minner's knee and he loses the fight in just over a minute. Well, there's one important detail that we didn't get into earlier. Who is in Derek Minner's corner? Who is Derek Minner's coach that night? James Krause. And who has 2,000 gamblers who pay to take his betting advice and immediately place bets based on the information that he gives them? James Krause. This isn't looking good for James Krause. Now we're back to where we were. The investigation's been launched. The UFC and Dana White are saying, look, it's not a big deal. Well, that's all about a change really quickly. On November 19th, Miles Johns, a UFC fighter, getting ready for his upcoming bout, says that his coach, James Krause, was not allowed to be in his corner. And a few hours later, David Purdom of ESPN reports that the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement notified the state sportsbook today that they are prohibited from taking bets on fights that James Krause is involved in as a coach, trainer, promoter, or fighter. Like I said, things aren't looking good for James Krause. Now, 12 days after that, December 1st, the Ontario Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario <laughs> require Ontario gaming operators to stop offering and accepting UFC bets. This is huge. This is the entire province of Ontario, the largest, most influential province in Canada, no longer allowing wagers on UFC fights. And the next day, Alberta follows suit and also stops all UFC bets. So this is becoming a big problem. And a few hours after, the UFC releases another statement. This time, suspending James Krause's license, releasing Derek Minner from the UFC, and informing all fighters to immediately disassociate themselves from James Krause, stop training with him, and stop training at his gym. And that's where we are today. <laughs> In my opinion, it's really clear what the UFC is trying to do here. The gaming commissions are bringing the UFC's integrity into question. They're saying, we don't trust that the UFC can put a stop to insider betting. And the UFC is trying to say like, no, no, no. It, it's not It's not the UFC as a whole. Th this is a secluded problem. Look, we got him. We, 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 <laughs> we released Eric Minner. We, we suspended James Krause. That's all, nothing to see here. <laughs> the UFC is trying to shift the focus from the UFC as a whole and put the blame onto these two isolated individuals. And I'm not sure if that's gonna work. <laughs> so far, New Jersey, Ontario, and Alberta have put some big restrictions on betting on the UFC. Maybe some other commissions are gonna follow suit. Maybe the UFC is gonna make some really big changes. I don't know, we'll see what happens from here. The big question, the big thing that the UFC needs to fix here is how can they stop people with inside information from betting on the fights. This is a lot more difficult of a problem than it is in, in other sports. The UFC has so many individual athletes competing in its organizations. It's hard to keep track. It, it would probably be impossible to keep track of everybody who has information on any of these people. Even on the fight nights themselves, when they run out an arena, there's only an away locker and a home locker 
right? There's not 28 different locker rooms for each of these individual fighters on the card. Half of the fighters, the blue corner is in one locker room and the red corner is in the other locker room. Mark Romundi of ESPN wrote an article recently talking about a conversation he had with a coach for a UFC fighter, an unnamed <laughs> coach, obviously, who saw something off about another fighter who was warming up in the same locker room as him, right? Saw that he was lethargic, things looked off. He just, he looked like he was on his way to lose that night. And he quietly pulled out his phone and placed a bet on the guy's opponent. Like, how are we gonna stop this type of stuff from happening? That's how easy it is, right? There was a, there was a big deal recently. TJ Dillashaw fought against Aljamain Sterling for the UFC's 135 Bantamweight Championship. And immediately, dislocated his shoulder in the fight very similar to the Derek Minner situation clearly something was wrong with his shoulder going into the fight and that was evident based on the fact that it dislocated right away <laughs> he comes out afterwards obviously he loses the fight afterwards he talks about it was an awful problem that he was dealing with the entire fight camp his shoulder just kept on coming out over and over and over and he knew that it was probably going to come out during the fight but he was hoping that he'd be able to tough it out, make it to the stool, have his coaches put it back in, and and somehow miraculously come out with the win. If any of those people in his fight camp had just text their cousin, text their friend, say, hey, TJ Dillashaw has a serious shoulder injury. There's no way he's winning this fight. Go to the casino and put down $10,000 on Aljamain Sterling. <laughs> How would you stop that from happening? I don't know, but... That's what the commissions want to see from the UFC. And the UFC can't just say this isn't a big deal anymore. Some big changes are coming. And we'll see what those changes are. Well, that's what's going on in MMA right now. Hopefully, I shed some light on it. Hopefully, I made it easier to understand. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know. If you hated it, let me know. But either way, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. And I'll see you next time on the Casuals Guide to MMA.